The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, Aidan Aslan joined the Ukrainian Marines in 2018, four years later after the large scale invasion of Ukraine commenced uh, from Russia. He was stationed at the front line in Mariupol. Remember Mariupol, one of the big early stories of that conflict was Mariupol and the steelworks there and the besieging of those steelworks by Russian forces. Well, Aidan was in the middle of it and after the surrender he was singled out for his British passport and taken as a prisoner of war. Now he, along with the help of John Sweeney, has written a book about his experience. It is called Putin's Prisoner, My Time as a Prisoner of War in Ukraine and they both join me now uh, to tell me more. Uh, gentlemen, you're both very welcome to the show and thank you for taking the time. Aidan, if, if I can start with you, can you describe the final days before surrender when you were in those steelworks? Yeah, so so obviously after after the first day of the invasion we, we were forced to, re, to retreat to Mariupol uh, day by day and we ended up in the Ilichar steelworks um, we, we got surrounded pretty quickly after a couple of days being in Mariupol. They came from two directions. They they had the direction in front of us they were coming from, and then they also came from the Crimea Peninsula. Um, so we knew pretty quickly that if uh, if they continue going at the speed they're going at, we're going to be pretty uh, quickly encircled, which did happen. And we managed to like we managed to hold until. The last week of April, by that point, Russian forces have already entered uh, the city of Mariupol. We've also been, uh, we've had a double encirclement. So like, we're now cut off from the other forces in the city. And we knew, we knew at that point things were getting pretty dire. And in the final day uh, before we surrendered, they, uh, they managed to locate where our battalion ammunition was located. Um, we had them, we had all the ammunition packed up in the um, trucks, like ready to go, because we were planning to try and break out and drive 140 kilometers to Ukrainian lines um, the night before. But that that was cancelled. So these trucks were like ready to go and hidden in the uh, factory, like uh, under the cover. Somehow the Russians like knew where it was and they they dropped two bombs and it just obliterated all the supplies that our battalion had. Um, so at that point we were under like heavy artillery, like tanks were shooting at our position, and I remember just seeing everyone's like expression in our bunker while we were waiting for the shelling to stop. Like we, it was at that moment we knew that the end is like coming soon. Like we we know it's like we know it's either going to be death or surrender, um, and it, it's hard to like to put into like words like how we felt because like, it, it's like so it's like so hard to describe the feeling knowing that you're going to be going to surrender to the enemy knowing like with what I know about like Russia's uh, reputation for their treatment of POWs especially from like Ukraine since 2014 and then Chechnya Georgia and then obviously uh, Syria as well um so it was a, it was a very dire moment um and we we basically gave the uh, the command to surrender on the morning of the 12th of April, I believe it was. Uh, our commander he made contact with the Russian side, and we well he negotiated our terms of surrender. Yeah, and it's it's in. I know the forward in the book is written by Vlad Demchenko from the Special Forces, and he talks a bit about those uh, the the knowledge um, that he and others would have had about the reality of of 
captivity. Um, and I, I, let me ask you about that in just a moment, Aidan. But John Sweeney, as I said, um, who wrote this book with Aidan and who's in Ukraine, is with us. John, why is this such an important book for people to read? Well, you can tell from the way um, Aidan uh, tells the story that he's lived this. You know, he knows it. Um, and it, it, it really is from the horse's mouth. There is this is this isn't there's not a word of propaganda. There isn't a word that isn't true in this book, and it sets out from somebody a soldier on the front line, uh, working. Um, he was a soldier with a contract with the Ukrainian Marines, and he's talking about in the run up to the big war, the Russians lying, and then what happens is once he's captured, once he's surrendered because they have, they've run out of ammo and they're running out of food and water. Their, their uh, situation is desperate, and they surrender. And the Russians do not obey the rules of war one little bit. And I think the, the importance, and the reason why I really encourage people to read this book, Prisoner's Prisoner, is because the idea that, that in the future we should, or the Ukrainians, should negotiate with the Russians under Vladimir Putin that's a dark fairy story. It's just not a goer because this is not, you cannot rely upon the words of Vladimir Putin. I mean, it's aiding to tell the story, but ask him how that he was a, he's a prisoner of war and they should have treated him honorably and properly according to the rules of war, according to the Geneva Convention. Ask him what happened. Aiden, what did happen? Yeah. We, we we went to the surrender point. We were met by uh, Russian Amon. Um, they they quickly searched us and patted us down to make sure we didn't have anything we shouldn't have. And then what they did then was they loaded loaded us onto a bus and then they transferred us to the uh, Donetsk People's Republic, which is their proxy force, their puppet force. And as soon as we got off the bus, that's when the violence and intimidation started. Uh, they lined us up in their empty warehouse. Uh, forced us into stress positions. Uh, we stayed in it for like 11 hours. One by one, they, they took one of us aside and we gave them my documents. And then obviously, when I gave them my documents, so on the front cover, it was a Ukrainian uh, cover. And then inside, it was a British passport. So he was looking through it and, and then asked me, where am I from? I, I said, I'm from Great Britain and Russian. And as soon as I said that, like he immediately punched me on the nose and beat me a few times. Um, but that's like not that's not the worst of it. I mean, that, that's in my view, that's to be expected. Like every military is guilty of that at some point in conflict. Um, so I, I took that under the chin. I, however, the, the worst part started when the the next day came and the intelligence goons came to uh, ask me questions and basically work out who I am. They quickly realised that I'm quite a big uh, of, of quite value of like to them so they they separated me from the uh, ukrainians that i was uh, alongside and they loaded me into the car put a bag on my head and then as we're driving up he turned to me and said like we're now taking you to be shot um i just pretended i didn't understand and just remained quiet while i processed this and uh, after an hour i realized i'm not being shot obviously i'm obviously being taken to be interrogated and then once we arrived to Donetsk, um, I was taken out of the car and 
there was a guy there in a blue like military uniform waiting for me. He said something to me in Russian, and I politely, I politely said to him, like, can you repeat? I didn't understand. And as soon as I said that, that's when the, the massive beating occurred. Um, he started beating me with the uh, police baton multiple times. I fell to the floor. And then he, he grabbed me and like, dragged me inside a building and then continued to beat me for two hours. Um, at one point, he stopped to have a rest. And uh, he basically said to me, do you know who I am? I, I said, no. He said, I'm, I am your death. Um, do you want a quick death or a beautiful death? Obviously, me being <laughs> somewhat uh, thinkful, I said, uh, a quick death. And he said, no, you're going to have a beautiful death. And then he said, did you see what I did to you? Um, and at that point, I was completely oblivious. I didn't know if he was talking about me being beaten or so. I said, no. And then he pointed to my shoulder and it turned out he'd actually stabbed me. But because because of the adrenaline from the beating, I didn't feel it. Um, so as soon as I saw the stab wound, like that's like when I completely, my uh, my fear really set in. I, I honestly thought at that moment they were going to kill me. Um, because that, by that point, I'd already been knocked unconscious. Um, and when I did regain conscious, they continued to beat me. They stripped me naked and basically looked at all my tattoos, every tattoo I got beaten for do my testify, like testimony like, about how I came to Ukraine. Um, and then after that, they put me in a cell with 30 other Ukrainians uh, with no toilet, no window, um, pretty bleak. And I never did ever receive medical attention for the stab wound. It's, it's uh, having read the book, it's still even harrowing to listen to you describe it. John, uh, like before I, I let both of you go, um, to what degree is... Aiden's story, the typical one that Ukrainian prisoners of war would face. It's untypical in that he was treated better. Uh, so my friend Vlad Demchenko, who, who wrote the forward, he's um, in Ukrainian special forces. He, he was actually in the Bakhmut area when he wrote the forward. Uh, but obviously the Ukrainians have lost that man. He's still fighting very hard. But he, he the forward says, um, you know, Aiden, I think... Uh, we, we all Ukrainian soldiers understand that when you go on um, Russian television and start talking rubbish, which is what Aiden was forced to do because he'd been tortured, we all know what's happened. What matters is not what you say on Russian television. What matters is when the camera is switched off, they, they torture you. And some of uh, Vlad's friends have actually, uh, school friends have turned up saying ridiculous things on Russian television because they've been tortured and everybody in Ukraine knows that. But um, some people, some soldiers have been castrated. Many women have been raped. Children have been killed. So the, the, the Russian army uh, is, is part of Vladimir Putin's Russia where there is no effective rule of, war, uh, rule of law and there is an absence I mean, you know, he kills journalists, he kills his enemies, he kills his critics, he kills anyone who says boo. So there is an absence of common decency. And um, some some prisoners of war have reported terrible, terrible things. So Aiden's story is awful, but compared to the 
the experience of other Ukrainian soldiers, um, he actually kind of got off lightly, and that is sick. Sick to say it. I was, you know, I'm I'm an old war reporter, and I've been doing this job more or less for 40 years, and I was shocked by some of the things Aidan's told me. And so, you know, again, I'm afraid the message, the big message of Aidan's book, we've got to help Ukrainians with every piece of weaponry they need, with every um, every pound or euro we can uh, we can help them with, because this only ends with Ukrainian victory. Anything else would be wrong. The name of the book is Putin's Prisoner, My Time as a Prisoner of War in Ukraine, Aidan Aslan with John Sweeney. Gentlemen, an absolute pleasure and thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.